Well, hi again, everyone. I'm Mark Renee. This is Play by Play with me. I am the me, and the play by play is provided by my guest. Today, it's Volume 1, Episode 7, and I've got the nicest guy in showbiz with us, Kevin Burkhart from Fox Sports and a few other places uh, joining us. Hey, KB, out in uh, sunny Southern California. How you doing, man? Hey, good to hear you again, Mark. I'm good, man. You know, just like everyone else, just, uh, you know, trying to be upbeat and trying to figure out what life is right now. But uh, I'm good, safe and healthy. Family is is good. So I'm fortunate. Uh, yeah, just just in the same boat as you, man. <laughs> yeah. First thing, sir, family's good. Uh, wife, son, everybody cool. Yeah, everybody's good. Everybody's good. Um, you know, we're, we're safe and healthy. And we've been inside uh, here since uh, March 12th um california was maybe the first one to put everybody inside so um yeah but we're good you know just like everyone else adjustments trying to figure out you know homeschooling and 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 doing all that and um so it's just a it's a unique time to say the least in history we're all fine it's just a very strange almost helpless feeling you know at least that's how i feel a lot of days like you want to you want to do stuff to help people and um you know you have no answers you have, no, you have you have no definitive so that's um that's kind of the, the strange thing about this is that uh you know there's just no even you know you could say okay well i know here in california right now the stay-at-home order is till may 15th right well um you know it's not like may 16th is going to be the magic bean and everything's going to be like perfectly normal so i think that it's just that's just the disconcerting thing um you know, I know for me, it's just important to stay positive for my son to keep his spirits up and, uh, you know, make sure he's not feeling down. It's hard when you got, you know, when you've got a kid and can't see their friends for, for two months, it's a pretty tough deal. So, uh, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So how is he handling that? Is he, uh, is he zooming with his buddies? Yeah, it's, he's been great. I mean, he's an only child, so he is very good at, you know, occupying himself. Um, and, you know, the school has been good. And, you know, you can imagine hard for teachers, my goodness. Um, they're, they've never had to do stuff like this uh, for this kind of period of time. So everyone's figuring it out. But, you know, he's FaceTime buddies to do homework with. And, you know, they have Zoom meetings, not every day, but like it seems like each class will do one like once a week, just kind of check in, see if the students need anything, that type of thing. Um Luckily, my wife used to be a teacher, so she's uh, she's kind of taken over that role a little bit here. Uh, and I'm I'm now the phys ed teacher during the week. That's that's my new job. Oh, nice. So what do you have them doing? <laughs> well, we um, you know, we try and mix it up. I mean, there's there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do. We you know, last week we let's see, you know, one day we, we do have a we've got an an exercise bike in my office. So he'll hop on that. Um, we, we did go, you know, some of the big parks are open. You just have to space. So we did go to the park and just kind of threw the football and found our space, did that. Uh, we invented a new game, uh, parking lot tennis, found a couple <laughs> of empty, empty parking lots and brought a couple rackets and just, uh, hit the ball and, you know, run around. So really anything to try and make it fun and, uh, get a little sweat on. That's that's what this gym teacher is doing anyway. <laughs> you brought back a memory. I learned to drive a stick shift in the uh, parking lot of the Garden State Plaza Mall on a Sunday because the malls in Bergen County are closed. And now I'm thinking tennis in the parking lot. That would be great. Actually, it actually was kind of fun. There's no net, obviously. And you're just, the whole goal is just, you, you can't let the ball die. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, you're trying to, uh, you know, it depends how you know, you're making each other run a little bit, but you know, you're saving it. It's, it's fun. I mean, you know, you gotta be creative. This is, um, you know, no beaches, no, no gyms, no bike paths, no any of that around here. So, you know, we're going for a lot of walks and, um, just making it work. All right. You did mention exercise bike and I'm not doing a commercial for Peloton, but is it a Peloton? It is not. Okay. I am not in the Peloton cult. Um, <laughs> honestly don't have room for it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have a, a huge place. And, um, but when this whole thing was going down, I just bought an exercise bike, just knowing that, okay, I'm going to need something. So I don't lose my mind. Cause I like to be active. I like to do just, I just like to do stuff. So it's, it's currently sitting in the middle of my office. I don't think it'll be like that forever, but during this time it's been good. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, if, if everything was quote unquote normal, as it had been up until early March, we would be wrapping up the first month of the baseball season. I imagine, since that would have taken up a bulk of your time, uh, that that is at the top of the list of things you're missing. But I'll let you answer. What are you missing the most during this quarantine? I think, um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just missing seeing people, you know. Uh, it's just... It's just so weird. I mean, even, you know, you go, you go walk the dog and you're, you're walking down the sidewalk and someone's coming and you, you, one of you kind of veers into the street. It's like the, the weirdest, rudest thing. You know, it's just so, uh, so different. I'm just missing human contact. Um, and of course, baseball, you know, when this first happened in March, you know, we, um, my group, we were going to the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Uh, so that got canceled. So that was the first time it hit. But really, from then until baseball, I, I get a couple weeks off. It's just my normal schedule. So it didn't feel that abnormal uh, until baseball started. And then it's like, man, this is so strange every day. You know, not only not working at all, but not traveling. There's nothing on TV. Um, so we've done some shows on FS1, um, some safe at home baseball shows. We've all done them from our home office and at least it's felt like some normalcy, uh, but it's not the same. So I just think it's just, it's so odd to me waking up and there's no box scores or, you know, there's, there's, uh, I'm, I'm not hosting shows. Um, there's no games to watch. It's just weird. It's just, you know, especially for this long of a period of time. So um, you know, and I'm just hoping that we could find a way to get it going. I, I think we will. Uh, you know, I like the some of the ideas that have been floated out there. And I know baseball has been talking with the players union trying to figure stuff out. But, you know, until you have some things definitely answered, you can't make a 100 percent done deal plan. So I think we're going to play at some point. Um, just a gut. I, I don't know when, but I I think at this point I know I would settle for 30 games in a playoff rather than no games. I, I know that. I agree wholeheartedly. Listen, I would be remiss. Big story broke uh, here in New York last night about one of your uh, broadcast partners, Alex Rodriguez, having an interest in buying the Mets. Any thoughts? I know you'd hate to lose them in the studio, but if yeah, you were to turn yeah, into Derek I, Jeter 2.0 in, in terms of ownership, what do you think? Well, I, I don't know that, that that would lose him from the studio, to be honest. I mean, he loves to do everything. I mean, he's he's he is a machine when it comes to business and, and being involved and he, the guy does everything. So I obviously am, have spent a lot of time with Alex and I'm close with him. I have never asked him the question about owning the Mets. Uh, even when the first, you know, kind of report came out, I think in the post a while ago, uh, I've never asked him the question, would it shock me? No. I mean, the guy lives baseball. I mean, he'll send texts, you know, he'll send texts at 
10 o'clock at night that he's watching the Mariners game and shows me a picture of his TV. You know what I mean? Like he's just, he's, <laughs> he's just a fan. And would it shock me with the Mets? No, because he loves them. He, he grew up a diehard Mets fan. And I know that that's, that's not a new nugget that's been out there, but I'm telling you, we talk about the old Mets all the time, you know, when we're together, um, he's got the same memories as I do as a kid. So um, I, I would not be shocked. I have not asked him if it's true. I'm sure there's some truth to it for sure. Uh, and I think he'd be great. He's as passionate as anyone I've ever met about the sport. Okay. All right. Um, what would be your thoughts? Uh, we've heard stories about, uh, you know, they would hunker down in Arizona or maybe Arizona and Miami, and now they're adding uh, perhaps a third city into the mix. Do you think that's feasible? Do you think it's doable? Do you think it would be popular with most important, I think, the players? Well, I think that any idea that works should be popular. So, you know, they threw out the Arizona and Florida ideas because that's where spring training is. And there's a lot of stadiums and things like that. Well, you know, if Florida is a mess and their cases are still spiking, well, that's kind of hard. hard. Look, you got to do it where there's a bunch of places to play and where hopefully this, you know, you know, this coronavirus is on a point where it's, you know, somewhat under wraps, but until you have some sort of testing, whether it's the antibody testing or, you know, a quick result testing where you could do a swab and get it right then and there um, until you figure out how, if, you know, let's say a first baseman of a team gets it, how everyone in the stadium doesn't have it within the next two weeks. Um, even if there are no fans, I, you know, I, I think there are a couple questions to be answered, but I love the ideas because they're progressive. They're thinking. They're they're throwing stuff out there. And you know what? This is going to be different. It's going to be a different year. I can't imagine there are fans this entire year. Uh, who knows? Hopefully that changes. But I think you have to be willing to throw darts at the doorboard rather than just sit there and be like, oh, man, well, we can't play. I, I'm for any idea that works. And we had Justin Turner uh, on our show a couple weeks ago. Um, and he's, you know, I asked him the same question. Are you for this idea or something like this? He's like, I, I just want to play. He's like, I really don't care what it is, what they come up with. I just want to play. And I have a hard time thinking that most guys wouldn't want to do the same. So I, I think that, is it feasible? Yeah, I, I think it's feasible. I think, I think there are some, some things to overcome. Um, you know, certainly, you know, forgetting about the virus and the testing and, and, you know, keeping everyone under some sort of quarantine somehow, you know, it said it's 110 degrees in Arizona in the middle of the day. So, you know, there are small things that you have to talk through, but I, I'm like, why not? And it doesn't have to be Arizona. You know, it could be Southern California. It could be Texas. It could be, you know, I don't know, places where there are a lot of stadiums relatively close. The weather's good. You could have some kind of containment. I, I, I'm for any of those ideas. All righty. I like it. I like it. I, my concern, frankly, what do you is think? They would I mean, have what's to, your, what's well, your here, thought? Here's what I'm thinking. As far as all that goes, it's great. If we can do it logistically, that would be fantastic. My concern is with the social distancing. Baseball is almost impossible to socially distance. Does the first baseman not hold the runner on? Is there no stealing? Because then, you know, you've got somebody sliding into second or third base or, or home plate eventually. It just, it, it, it's, you know, where does the home plate umpire go? Is he behind the pitching mound like we did in Little League? Well, I, I think that's why you have to have testing. You, you've yeah. got to have, look, you've got to have testing and you've got to have the results right away. And if someone has it, they're going to have to be quarantined. You know, that's the bottom line is, hey, you know, if it's a pennant race, okay, and uh, I don't know, Nolan Arenado is 
uh, comes down with it in September and the Rockies are two games out of the West, well, he's he's out, you know, and that that's going to suck. But I I think, um, again, this is a different strange year. And, you know, barring there's some way around that, I don't know that there is one right now. I'm not a doctor, but I, I think those are the consequences that you're willing to take. Again, I'm willing to. I'm willing to take that rather than nothing. Right. So, and and I think most people would be too. Is it going to be strange? Like you said, it's pretty hard to social distance. And some of the, you could do all you want. You could spread out the dugouts and put people, you know, six feet apart in the stands. You could have no uh, meetings at the mound. You're still the batter is next to the catcher. That can't change. You know, right. um, the runners are on the bases next to the fielders. So, I mean, yeah, there's there are still things to overcome. But I, I think you can do it. I do. Have you been watching any of these games from Taiwan? I have not. No, I, I, with the, I with don't. With the robot fans, I yeah. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen yeah. the stuff on social right. media, but I don't. I'm not invested in the game. In well, Taiwan. I can't see you watching live when you're, you know, three hours behind us here in New York, and you know, yeah, that would be already the middle no. of the night for us. That's a that's a no. I'm just. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hey, look, I, I hope it sets an example so we could follow and play as well, but I'm, I'm not watching it. Yeah. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. Um, you were an overnight sensation. How many years in the making? I, I can't even count, but, uh, boy, <laughs> you have made it. You have made it as far as anybody I know um, from humble beginnings, to say the least. William Patterson College, local cable. I won't even get into the Pine Belt Chevy thing. I think that's, you know, people have probably heard that story a thousand times. But uh, WFAN and then SNY and now um, Fox Sports and FS1 and filling in on Tampa Bay Rays games. Um, what what I never asked you this question. Um, what do you consider to be the launching point of your career? I, I mean, there's a lot of answers to this, right? I mean, I think that everybody who is in any business, certainly this one, you've got to have doors open for you. Now, when they're open, you have to go through them. I mean, you know, when they're open, you can't mess it up. You've got to, you've got to deliver. Um, but you've got to have, to me, the hardest thing, and it was the hardest for me, is just getting any of those doors to open. I mean, back in the day, I mean, you you obviously have done the same back in the day. Kids today would be like, what in the world are you talking about? But sending out cassette tapes of your demo and sending out CDs and making CD labels of my demo and just getting an email that a human being received it was like, it just, it was impossible, right? So um, at least it was for me, Marky. So I think, you know, there, there are a lot of people along the way who kind of each level open doors for me and I'm, I'm forever grateful to them. Um, and I, I, it's a long list, but I, I do think the turning point truthfully was selling cars. Um, I do, you know, and I know that story has been out there on me and I, and I, I look, I embrace the story. I'm not sick oh, of talking about it because I think that, I think that it made me, you know, it put me on the path I am today. And, you know, um, for a lot of reasons, number one, you know, Mike Trevino, who, who owned that store and now owns the Pine Belt Nissan and Cadillac and Tom's River. Um, he doesn't have the, the, he doesn't have the Chevy store in Eatontown anymore, but he, he was a great dude and we became really good friends. And I told him what he wanted to do, what I wanted to do. And he was like fully supportive. So he's like, just work hard, you know, and, and if opportunities come, you know, I'll let you go do them. And I did work hard and, you know, it just taught me so many things about myself, like, you know, asking for things, going and getting things. Like when you sell cars, if you're not aggressive and you're not competitive and you're not asking for things, you're not making any money. It's plain and simple. Um, so 
I just learned a lot about myself and how to handle things. And it's kind of like, it was just kind of like a fuck it moment. Like enough is enough about, you know, sitting in, you know, and going nowhere when I know in my heart of hearts that I had talent. Um, and so I was just sick of, of sitting back and, you know, I just wanted to be aggressive and, and, and do the most that I could. If it didn't, if it didn't work out, okay, at least I, you know, kind of went out there and, and, and did it and gave it my all. So I, I think that's what it taught me. And then Mike became, you know, a, you know, a huge ally. Like I said, I got some opportunities, you know, to do stuff for CBS and, you know, sitting basically in the studio next to you and, um, and then the fan and he, and he let me go and do all of them. Uh, you know, so it was like, yeah, go ahead. Don't come in today. Go do that. You know, and I would make it up to him. So, I mean, there's not many bosses that would have done that, but so it was about that relationship, but it was also about just finding out about myself. Like, am I going to, am I going to settle for this or am I, am I not? And I just thought, you know, um, I, I wasn't settling for that. And thank you for mentioning uh, WCBS 880, because, uh, as I was, uh, riffing off your, List of accomplishments I overlooked, and certainly Tim Shell, don't get upset. I did not mean to slight you intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, listen, of all the sports you've had a chance to call, and I know you go back, you know, to you know local cable doing uh, and and local radio, which unfortunately doesn't exist very much anymore. The the so called uh, minor leagues of radio on the training ground I know, and that I hate we it. used to have don't exist. But football, basketball to professional um, football and you know you did the XFL earlier this season I want to get your thoughts on that in just a sec but Major League Baseball of all the sports you've had a chance to call over the years what's your favorite I know you're a big Mets fan so I'm going to guess that's it but again I don't want to presume anything you know I I get asked this one all the time Um, I think anyone does who does multiple sports and and look the 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 PC, but true answer is that I love doing them all. And I do. I mean, I, I'm look, I'm a huge football and baseball guy. It's what I grew up with. Those are my two big sports in my household growing up. Um, if I had to pick one, it's, it's NFL football. I just don't think there's anything like Sunday, um, you know, and, and the thrill of doing those games and, you know, getting, uh, you know, fortunate enough to do NFL playoff games when there's 40 million people watching, that's, that's something else. So I, I, I don't know. There's just something about Sunday's, and I've always loved it. Even when I was doing high school football at WGHC, there's just a, you know, that's always been my number one, you know, passion, I would say. You know, baseball's right there, obviously. I love it. Um, but if you're asking me to pick one, uh, that would be the one. All right. Well, we talked about football. I saw you. The last time I saw you was at the Guardians opener. <laughs> yeah. One of the XFL. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the quality of the sport, the games that you saw? And you saw a bunch of them. So I'm honestly, I'm really disappointed that the league had to go bankrupt Be in, you know, just awful timing on their part. They were doing well. I mean, the ratings were good uh, for these games. And, you know, I, this has nothing to do with me working it, um, but I really liked it. I, I really enjoyed it. I had no idea what it was going to be like. You know, Fox asked me to do it. And so I did it. And, you know, Mark, I don't, you know, I'd love to get your opinion, but I, I actually thought the product was really good. It was really fun. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the access was incredible. Uh, it was so amazing to be able to talk to these players after they made a play and, and ask the coach why they elected to kick a field goal and not go for it and hear the play calls, um, and have your analysts explain what they're trying to do. I mean, it was, I, I mean, it was unreal. And, and then I just thought that the games themselves were fun. I mean, I thought, you know, they had pretty good support. You know, I, when you're talking about the Guardians, you know, it's hard to fill an 85,000 uh, 
seat stadium. But I I thought, you know, still, you know, when you look at the support they had and some of the support of the other teams, I mean, they had they had good support and the ratings, the TV ratings were excellent. So I really liked the product. I thought some of the things they did were 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 revolutionary. Some of the rules, you know, the kickoff rule, I thought was outstanding. And I when I first saw it, I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But the way they did it, it, it made it safe and it made the the play fun again. It made it, you know, so that there are returns, not all the time, but um, I really like they did so many good things uh, that I thought were really, really good that the NFL could one day adopt. You know, the, the only thing I didn't like is that they did they had this two minute uh, rule where, um, you know, they, they, they the clock stopped on everything. You know, what they're trying to do is make it so no team is ever out of the game. Um, I think what it ended up doing is just really prolonging the game and making it uh, kind of meh at that right. point. So I didn't love that. But everything else they did, I liked. You know, the conversions after touchdown, there's no extra points. You either go for one, two, or three. I mean, it, it was just fun. I enjoyed doing it, and I, I thought it had a real future. So I'm just kind of bummed about it. Yeah, it's funny. You know, the first incarnation of the XFL brought us a lot of innovations to the NFL, and I think that some of the stuff you just mentioned will eventually make its way to uh, – the average Sunday, once the average Sunday returns, obviously. What did you think of your uh, partner in the booth? I thought Greg Olson was fantastic, and I'm kind of surprised that he didn't call it quits to go into TV. Well, he got a $7 million contract to play with Russell Wilson and try and win a Super Bowl, right. so that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> right. I, well, that... I was going to say, it wasn't for no reason. There was, yeah. you know, he, had, he, had, he had $7 million decent I, I reasons think, to I think that's probably that why. Um, listen, I love Greg. I mean, I I, I, I thought he was great. Uh, he, you know, he... He he doesn't. He's just scratching the surface. I mean, he's done a couple games, as you know, uh, one of them with with our crew, and then he did one with Kenny Albert. Um, he's he's got it, man, and he's just starting to figure it out. I mean, he, he's and look, I've I've known Greg for a long time. I called his high school football games. Um, I've known him since he was a kid. He, he's just he's a great great dude, and he's fun to be around. And I thought that you know the stuff that he did in the XFL was you know, was really good. He was on top of everything. He had a great personality. You could have fun with him. You know, I, uh, to me, that's the most thing. If you could have conversation and have fun and, and if you feel that, you know, without forcing it, I think that's a really good thing. Um, you know, so I, I just thought he did, I thought he did a great job. I, I think he is going to be a superstar whenever he does decide to do television, whenever that is. I agree wholeheartedly. We call this play by play with me. Of course, I'm the me. Um, you do the play by play, Kevin Burkhart. What's your favorite play-by-play memory so far because i have one of you and i'll tell you what it is in a minute but i want to hear your take first favorite play-by-play memory you know the um hmm i don't know that i've ever been asked that question uh i have to think about this for a second i mean you know i i think it's really hard to you look there's i could probably come up with a few of them i mean it's really it's really hard to overcome the excitement of doing an NFL playoff game. Right. I mean, that's just, it's just really hard to do. You know, I mean, it, it, there's so many, there's so many great moments there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's one specific play by play. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to think about that a little bit more. I mean, I, I, if again, it's a general thing, but you know, I've done a couple of playoff games in Seattle for the Seahawks, which is awesome. I did a saints Eagles game a couple of years ago. I mean, just the atmosphere, the whole thing, uh, down to the wire. I mean, I, 
I, I guess if I'm taking just overall game, though, my favorite game that I've ever broadcast was this year. I did the Saints 49ers uh, game uh, this year in New Orleans, and that was, if not the best, one of the best games I've ever seen. I mean, it was just, you know, a couple heavyweights, just unreal action. It was like, you know, two play callers who were great at their craft, just trying to one-up each other and bring all this crazy stuff out. Um and then George Kittle on fourth and two catching and running, you know, however long he ran, 40 yards, 50. I don't even remember how long it was. But, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, th- that was that was an all-time game. You did the Fog playoff game in Philly, too, right? Was that was that Philly? Oh, no, that was that was that was a kid for that was the one in Chicago. OK, you're talking about the one back in the 80s with the Bear, Eagles Bears. No, I could have sworn you called the game. Oh, I know what you're you, talking about. You you're talking about the, the snow game, game in Philly. Was the it snow, the snow game? game? Okay. I, yes. I just remember that, that we couldn't see the field. And I that, couldn't. That was actually a great one. That's a good call. I couldn't by you. understand that was... how you. That's not the one I was going to bring up. But as you're talking about the NFL stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm triggered in a good way. Um, but I remember you were calling it. We couldn't see the field. And I couldn't understand how you could see the field. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just have to be honest in those situations, you know, like the, like that I did. Yeah. It was Eagles lions. My first year at Fox and it was, it was supposed to snow later in the day, but not uh, as early as it did. It was like, we were concerned about our flights later in the day going home. Right. And we were on the field and it wasn't snowing, uh, you know, a couple light flurries, but nothing. Then we went up to the press box to get something to eat. And we got back to the broadcast booth and there was an inch of snow on the ground. By the time we started, there was three inches. We're like, Whoa. So all of a sudden you can't see, you know, the, the yard markers, you, the coaches can't see, you know, you can't, it was awesome. And I think you just have to have fun with it and just be honest, right? You can't, you can't totally, you, you can't make it up. You do the best you can, but just have fun with it. And, uh, you know, I think that's what you do in those situations. Um, yeah, I think you have to be real, right? You can't, you can't pretend you're not, everyone else at home isn't seeing what you're seeing. Right. So I, I think you have to just kind of be like, you're, hey, like you're at a bar with your buddy and you're watching and what would your reaction be? I yeah. think that's what you kind of have to do in those games. All right. I want to take you back to, I think it was your first spring training calling Mets games. Gary Cohen mm-hmm. probably had some Seton Hall thing to tend yeah. to for SNY. And you were in the booth in Port St. Lucie. I think you were working with Keith Hernandez this day. And I don't know if you remember this. And I, unfortunately, my files, I have archives that are on the hard drive in the office, and I've had no access to them. Otherwise, I'd be playing it for you right now. There was <laughs> a home run hit right field to the berm behind the fence at what was then Tradition Field. It's now uh, First Data, I think, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a guy who was pushing his baby stroller and parked the baby stroller on top of the berm to go after the home run ball. And then the stroller started rolling down the hill. Do you remember this? I do. I do. I don't remember who hit it, but I do remember that, man. People will do insane shit for baseballs. Like, I mean, I get it. Listen, I went to games as a kid. Of course, you always wanted a ball. But, I mean, it's like the the level of insanity to catch a baseball is mind-blowing, especially when young kids are involved. I wish you had the call. I, I wish oh, you had I it. Wish I, I, you know, it's funny. You do, you I dug around archi- the internet you, for it last night, and I can't You do archive it. everything. You have, like, everything known to mankind. I save stuff when I know I'm going to want to play it at some point. I use that on the air, I remember. Um, <laughs> because how could I not? How could I not? Like, that was the call of the spring. 
I think it was your first spring training in the booth. I, that I don't remember. I yeah. remember I remember the event, but I don't yeah. remember if it was my first but one. I, and not. I think it was Keith, and the two of you were just aghast that somebody would risk the life of their infant to go <laughs> catch a $12 baseball. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so was, great. That was awesome. So great. You, you've had some good ones over the years. You've had some good ones. Um, yeah, I've been I've been pretty fortunate, you know. I've been been in some. I mean, like do, the Mets was great, and I didn't do a ton of play by play there, obviously, because Gary is a beast. Um, but you know, I did I did a bunch of spring training to give him a blow, and I did do some fill in during uh, the regular season, which was awesome. And you know, Gary was great. He was like my number one fan and supporter, and always offered like constructive criticism. So he he was he was he's the best. And for the record, so, I think my yeah. wife is still your number one fan. Even though when I told her you were coming on, she said, Kevin Burkhardt, who's that again? Because <laughs> she hasn't seen you in well, so long. She I'll tell her you. I said hello. It's been, it's been quite, yeah, it has, gosh, it's been a long, I've been on LA five years already, yeah, five plus years already. It's well, I hadn't crazy. seen you uh, until I saw you at the, at the XFL game. I know. And we figured out I hadn't seen you, I think, since the, since the Mets played the Royals in the World Series. Well, you know, I come back enough to do, you know, I've done a, I've done a bunch of Mets games at City Field, and I've done a bunch of Giants games. Right? But, yeah. Know, no, you're here all the time. It's you just know our how it is. Like, don't sync up. Yeah, and then when you're there, it's like you're getting pulled in a million different directions, and, and you know, especially on game day. So it's like it's just crazy. Like, you, like I get on the plane, I'm like, did today even happen? Like it just goes so fast. It's right. like it's always great. I love coming home and and doing games. It's it's I love it, um, but it just goes so fast. Yeah. Well, time. that's why I had to come ambush you in the booth before that guardians game because i knew you know you're here and there's no excuse because it's before the game and you know we'll make it happen even if it was for five minutes so it was it was good to catch up and it's good to catch up here too no i'm Uh, glad you did yeah um and and god who knows when it'll happen again you know we keep i was talking to dave sims the other day we had him on uh episode six and you know we're talking about last time i saw him was at a at a big east game at uh I think it was at the Rock, uh, Seton Hall game, and it's like, we don't know when we're going to see each other again. Just don't know, you know, given how things are these days. We have no idea. I know. Yeah, I saw Dave last year. I did a Rays, a Rays Mariners series in Seattle, so we got to catch up there, man. He's 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 one of the good ones. Good dude. Another WFAN uh, alum. There are so, quite a few of them I'm, out there. I'm going down the list here. I'm looking. I'm like, yep, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And I'm not going to give away who's coming on uh, in ensuing episodes. But uh, suffice to say, it'll be fun, hopefully. Um, again, we're talking play-by-play with me. And, and one of the puns is play. What's your favorite board game? What's your son's favorite board game? <laughs> We've been mixing it up, um, you know, during this quarantine. Trying to, you know, we we actually brought back Yahtzee, um, wow. which I hadn't I hadn't played in years, but uh, we've had fun with, with that one. Um, a newer one called Exploding Kittens. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a card <laughs> no. game. It's actually really fun. I uh, just kind of have some laughs with it. It's it's unique. Should uh, we so explain been... what that is so we don't get the PETA people all over us? Uh, it's not actual real kittens that explode. <laughs> so like you're gonna be fine. It's just a, it's just a fun card game, uh, and that's that's the title of it. So uh, we've been going there. Um, trying to think what else what else have we been playing lately? Uh, you remember a game called Rummy Cube? It's yes. an older one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been on that a little bit lately. Uh, of course, Uno, you can't. I'm giving you a lot of card games here, I, I realize. A lot, a lot of card games involved. That's right. You um, haven't mentioned seven card stud, so I suppose it's okay. Well, we one of the games, we haven't played this, um, we haven't played this 
in, in this, you know, quarantine time. But I guess a year ago, the, one of my favorite games from a kid, this, this is going to sound absurd, but did you ever drink uh, Hawaiian punch when sure. you were younger? Yeah. Like I lived, it was like still? in my blood. Yeah. It was, yeah. I did. Do they still make it? I yeah. used to love oh, that. Absolutely. So I, you know, they had a Hawaiian punch game. Um, it was like punchy, the mascot, and it was like made with clay and you go around the board. And if you land on a spot, you get to, you get to smash your other person's clay. So somehow my wife found one on eBay and got it for me, like for my birthday or something like that. So I was playing, we were playing it and it, we were laughing so hard, like just bringing back an old game. It was so, it's such a ridiculous game, but my son could not get enough of it. So we played that one for like, you know, 10 days straight, had some laughs with that one. Some of the old games are still great when you bring them back, you know? I'm looking this up now on Google. I have never seen this before. It's unreal. You got to get your hands on it. It's fun. I mean, it's insane. I mean, you're literally taking a, a essentially a plastic hammer and smashing people's clay. Uh, <laughs> it does look it, interesting. It is. Uh, it's entertaining. There's so that's kind of the stuff involved. We... Let's see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, a head two size check. Back eleven spaces. Wow. It's intense. What games? Do you, you have any games you're planning? New ones for me to get? Like any any suggestions right now? No. Um. Uh. What is it? Crimes Against Humanity. Is that? Oh. Well, that's a Cards that's an adult game. Humanity? That's a great. Yeah. That's a great one. But that's yeah, we, uh. We that's not for this that. particular podcast. No, I don't I, think. No. I'm. I'm still. You know. I'm an old school Trivial Pursuit Monopoly. That's. Oh, I got. I got one more for you because my wife my loves speed. the game. I got one more for you. There's this game called Ticket to Ride. Did you ever hear about it? No. Um, my wife loves playing it cause she's good at it and, <laughs> and that, yeah, that drives me crazy, but she, um, so it, it's actually funny. I think it's made by like a German company and it's, it's actually, it's, it's a cool idea. You have, uh, you know, United States and I think they sell other boards. They sell like Europe and whatever. And I'm looking at you, this now too. Yeah. You have a tr- train company and you you get these car i mean the, the easiest way to explain it, you get these cars and you have to build tracks you get like these routes and you have to build tracks um before you know one person runs out of trains because then the game ends so there's a whole there's a point system and everything but it's fun because you're not only trying to build your tracks but you're kind of trying to block other people and there's strategy involved and it's 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 pretty cool if you're looking for something new and something that'll take up some time like you know the games take a little bit especially if you're playing with more than two people um, but it it's a pretty fun game. This looks interesting. It says it takes yeah, I, anywhere from I a think, half hour to an hour too. Yeah, it's it's like that's what I'm saying. Like if you want some time to kill, and it's like you got to think a little bit, and but it's fun. It it's cool. Well, my time kill has become this podcast. <laughs> you got to do something. <laughs> what the heck, man? man? You know, and it's it's a good way of catching up with people that I haven't spoken to in a while. We're doing you know um, very subtle wellness checks, make sure everybody's okay. Um, without, you know, being intrusive and, and having a little fun. And, you know, hopefully people are learning something about, uh, about the guests and, and they're uh, sufficiently entertained for a few minutes at least. Um, I guess I should kind of wrap this up by asking you, when we get the all clear and we're no longer under quarantine, what, what's the first thing you're going to do aside from get back to work? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I boy, there's, there's so many things I want to do. I mean, I miss playing golf. I, I don't the, the the courses the courses out by you are still closed, right? Yeah, it sounds they like they might be opening um, soon or sooner than later. 
Yeah. But golf is easy to social distance too. You know, as long as you're not riding in a cart together, you can stay six feet apart. My my only concern as far as the pro guys go when they come back in June is you're gonna have to have one person who's assigned to each green to tend the pin. And then you're going to have to have somebody else at each hole in charge of the rakes. Because I don't think you want the caddies, you know, exposing themselves to any possible issues. Yeah, I think that's doable. I mean, I think that, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I miss playing golf. And I, I'm, I think it's, I think it's relatively easy to social distance playing it, to be fair. Uh, right. But, you know, you always have the people who would try and, you know, be aggressive, I guess. But so that, I mean, can't go to the beach out here. The beaches are closed. I mean, certainly... Um, do that. I just, I just want to go out to get something to eat, <laughs> support one of these local restaurants. I mean, I've yeah. been doing ordering takeout as much as I can just to try and, you know, the, the, the mom and pops around here and support them in that way, but it's not the same. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to going out to something to eat and having a couple cocktails and, you know, feeling that sense of normalcy, uh, I think. All right. Last thing, the college professor in me won't let this, uh, get away. Uh, without asking you for the benefit of uh, up-and-coming broadcasters everywhere. Um, Two-part question. The best piece of advice you ever got and the best piece of advice you think you could give to the prospective sports broadcaster? Just be yourself. It's, you know, it's it's the simplest piece of advice I've ever gotten, but I I tell people that you know, all the time. And, and look, I, and, you know, today is, is, you know, just like it was back in the day when you and I were, were trying, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to stand out. It's hard to get somebody's attention. Right. So the, the thought is, okay, well, you got to do something outlandish or you got to be somebody you're not. And I just don't think that works because at some point you're going to have to be you, right. If you're doing stuff, that's not you, it's just, it, I don't know. I don't think you can act for the next 40 years. Maybe you can on the air. I can't. So I, I was always told to be myself. And I think I've always been that. And I think it finally paid off. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, and I got mixed signals on this when I was coming through uh, the ranks, so to speak. But, you know, a lot of people told me to not be versatile, to, um, you know, specialize in one thing, you know, be an expert in, in one thing. And, I, and not everyone did, but I, I did get some that said that. And I disagreed with that. And I think, I think that's a big reason why I am where I am today, because, you know, I am able to do play by play and studio host and whatever, multiple sports, you know, whatever it is, interviews. I think, I think you have to diversify the portfolio a little bit. You know, I, I just think it makes you attractive if, to a prospective employer if you can do multiple things. And, you know, if you have a good personality or a good delivery or whatever it is that, that makes you you and you're able to do different things, you don't pigeonhole yourself into a corner. Um, you know, that's why I tell a lot of people now. And it, it, it does sound like simple advice, but I think it's legitimate advice. I, you know, I think, I think if you can, you know, try and, and be good at multiple things and you have your own style, which you should, or at least develop into it, maybe you don't have it right away because it takes a little time. I know when I was a kid, I didn't know what the hell, you know, I was doing. I, I mean, at least I thought I did, but you know, it, you know, it took me really a while to, to really get comfortable in my own skin. So, but I, I never, tried to be somebody else i just i just didn't really know exactly who, who i was i think so um 
I always say this, Mark, I, I just be yourself, man. I mean, I, I think that is the most important thing in this thing, because when you watch or listen to somebody, you connect with them, right? I mean, you know, you, you think they're good or bad, but you connect with them. Uh, oh, I like that person or I like the way they do this or I like the way they sound. So I, I think that's the number one thing. Yeah. Third last question. Who was the guy you wanted to be when you were a kid growing up in the New York area? Well, it was, it was, look, there were a lot, but there were, there were two guys who are really just loved. And, you know, one of them, you know, it was listening to Bob Murphy and Gary Cohen. Yep. I listened to them all the time. We didn't have cable as a kid. Okay. So, um, we had regular TV. The Mets were on regular TV on Sundays on channel nine. That was it. You know, they were on, I think sports channel back in the day. Mm -hmm. So I listened to the radio all the time. And, uh, you know, I, in the summer that was on in the backyard or out, you know, playing wiffle ball in the backyard, whatever. Um, that was a soundtrack. So of course those guys, um, I, uh, you know, I listened to Bob Papa a lot. I, I actually called into Bob Papa doing the Nets post game show. Uh, and he actually ended up being really cool to me, you know, when I was trying to figure it out and, you know, gave me some advice and some help, which was awesome. Um, and then it was Pat Summerall. Like I just loved the NFL. I loved his, delivery and his simplicity and his commanding voice and um, everything about how, you know, how he and John felt. It just always felt big when, you know, uh, you know, welcome to Philadelphia and whatever it was. And it was just like, oh, man, you just got electricity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So like to me, like even now, I mean, I am not Pat Summerall, but I always try and think in my mind like, hey, don't just don't talk that much. Like, don't just shut up because, you know, like Pat never talked and he's one of the greatest of all time. So I'm just picking that like in the stream of consciousness, but those few guys were huge in my, you know, who I looked up to growing up. Well, I told you this a few weeks ago when I saw you that for the first time, and I do this the day one of every semester, I ask the students to name their favorite sports broadcasters and then explain to the class why. Um, and for the first time, uh, we marked down spring 2020. We had a Kevin Burkhart in the crowd. And I honestly, I felt a little bit because I've known you, you know, since almost the beginning of this journey of yours. And, uh, you know, don't sell yourself short, man. You are on your way to becoming, you know, if not the next Pat Summerall, uh, you know, certainly a Pat Summerall adjacent. You are uh, you're on the path and I could not be uh, I could not be happier for you. I could not be uh, more proud to know you. And I I couldn't be more honored that you take some time uh today and uh, and have a chat well it's always great catch up with you mark you know that and uh, i appreciate it i'm just glad that i got a vote i mean I'm, i feel really good about that you know maybe i could go for two votes in the next semester yeah i was gonna say i had one one year and i thought they were just trying to butter me up but it turned out they were legit i, I was shocked i was shocked that, i'm guessing i'm guessing that student got an a that'd be my guess i don't remember but i don't think so interesting what enough. no I'm, you know you I'm can't stunned. no you can't grease the skids that way no 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 and i am sure <laughs> that as the years uh, progress you will have uh, you will have multiple votes uh, in the ensuing semesters i i can almost guarantee it well appreciate that man and good catching up to you and uh, you know stay safe stay healthy and that goes for everybody just be healthy and be respectful of each other so we could all get through this and uh, do the best we can you know Amen, my friend. Best of the family, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the TV and hearing you on the radio again soon. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mark. See you, bud. I'm Mark. Hey, that's Kevin Burkhardt. Hey, KB, thanks for stopping to play-by-play -play with me.
Anytime, brother.